Tiger Shack Shop Talk Podcast number nine. I'm Jeremy. I'm TJ. We're glad you're with us today. It is raining and we are in a metal building, so if you hear some rain on the old tin roof, that is what it is. Um, I don't know how much to pick up through these lapel mites, but it could be good or could be bad. We'll just see what happens. Um, TJ is slightly under the weather. Just a little bit. So if he falls over, vomit, but now he don't, he's not going to vomit. Loses his voice, snots out a big old booger bubble, <laughs> anything like that, be sure to stay tuned. <clears throat> it might get interesting. Oh, man. Around the shop, we still, it's crazy. Uh, rifle season started here in South Carolina. Still got a lot of bows coming in, which is semi-abnormal. Usually about this time of the year, it really starts dying off. Still a lot of crossbows coming in. Yep. Uh, had one come in today, dry fire, uh, had a couple bows come in. This week, probably had, shoot, a dozen or better bows get dropped off, which is crazy. But uh, it's a good, good thing. Something that we really don't mess with a whole lot is actually one of them is a Franken bow that we done back in 2013. Yeah, something like that. And now he's going to have another one done. So, yeah. But we normally don't mess with any of the yeah. Franken bow stuff. Doing a little quick cam swapping around, tinker, something different. But uh, TJ asked a question at the end of the last podcast talking about do you uh, pee or dip? Out, you know, spit dip out of your deer stand, and what do you think? And we got a couple of replies to that, so thank you for those that replied. Uh, again, it'll be in the comments or the description or something, but you can text us at 843-560-9898. Uh, you can also call and leave a voicemail, but most people have just been texting stuff in. It can be a topic or a reply. You can reply on the YouTube comments, podcast comments, wherever you're listening to it. So. What'd they tell us, too, Bob? Uh, Jeff Davis wrote in and said, I dip while hunting, spit on the ground, throw my dips out the ground, and pee out of the stand. I've had deer come into bow range right after I peed on heavy pressured land. He is, I'm not gonna give away a secret hunt spot, <laughs> but it is WMA, which I'm surprised. But yeah. um, he said he's killed two eight points this year and both came downwind inside 20 yards and neither spooked because of it. My, what I was going to say, my reply to that would be, I've, I, I don't dip, but I peed out of the stand. Um, I mean, if I was hunting somewhere where I knew there was like a hoss of a deer and I was kind of worried about it, I probably wouldn't, you know what I mean? But for the most part, I, I mean, I peed out of the stand and shot deer the same day type of deal. So, but I guess it's important if you're hunting around houses or, you know, if you're out in the middle of nowhere where deer are not really used to any sort of noise or weird smell, I would imagine maybe that's different. But... I've never had a truck. I mean, I've killed, I got home, had on blue jeans, and ran out and jumped in the stand in blue jeans and killed deer. And, you know, well, I seen something, I think it was a Fred Bear quote, I should have looked it up, but he was like, don't worry about your camouflage. Our grandparents were, were wearing red and black when they were hunting or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got another one, Randy texted in and I did the pee in the stand and have no problems. Um, I don't know if this is the same Jeff, but he pees in a bottle just to be safe. Um, Justin got in and said, I have deer come exactly to where I peed and didn't spook. 
It sounds like most everybody's just being at a stand and not worrying about it. Uh, and, that, and that's the reason I asked that question. I wanted other people's opinion. I mean, I, I did put the stands, put it on the ground. Yeah. Um, it's funny. At how I can remember back when I was 8, 9, 10, never really boat hunted. All we did was rifle hunt. Um, Daddy was never into archery, but we never heard of cover sand. We never used it. I mean, my daddy, he would chew red man chewing back. Mm -hmm. um, a buddy of his smoked uh, basic full of flavors yeah. back in the day. Yeah. And we seen deer and killed deer. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of makes you wonder sometimes that, you know, if it's all overkill, but I mean, I... Well, and I, people will argue with me about this, but when the... When the carbon suits and all that got real, real, real big, you know what I mean? I just never got into mm -hmm. that. And I, like I say, if I if I know I'm on a big deer, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it the right way. Yeah. If I know what's going on, but I just I just never really have got into a bunch of that stuff. Um, speaking of all that scent, we have got some scent in store from uh, Russell Cooper and Jeremy Seymour that they make, and one of them is called Smoke. One of them's called Evergreen, and that stuff, when they brought it in, I was like, ain't nobody gonna, I mean, I wouldn't say nobody's going to buy it, but I was just like, uh, we'll see. And a guy yesterday literally came in and bought every one we had of the smoke, so I was like, wow. So, uh, and I'm seeing on Facebook the following it has locally, um, and people are going crazy about it, but uh, pretty much it's, the Evergreen is more of a tree type of scent, but the smoke mm -hmm. smells like a fire or smoke or whatever and I guess it does a heck of a job at a cover scent but uh, I've been impressed recently with how many people have came in asking about that stuff um, the only I don't know we could that'd be a whole podcast talking about scents and stuff yep maybe we'll save that one for whenever we got some cool um, people gonna be on the podcast I think we got and of course stuff changes but for about the next three weeks I think we got some people lined up be on here and we got somebody on uh i guess gonna call in and all this stuff so that'll be pretty neat in the next few weeks um i was talking to a guy in the shop while ago about let off preferences on the boat i thought it'd be something good to talk about actually you still got stuff let's talk about that and then we'll come back to me we've got <clears throat> I have one guy don't have a name. Do you use cover scent or just deer urine? So mm -hmm. I'm guessing uh, me personally, I was gonna I was gonna ask this at the end of this podcast. How many people use like a deer lure, like a, a, yeah. a doe estrus, or let's wait and talk about it next week. Yeah, and we'll come back to that in the very end. But uh, has the rut started in South Carolina? From what I'm seeing. Slowly, yes. Yeah, um, it sucks. I got a picture from my sister this morning with a 185-pound pinpoint, I think it was. Man. I've um, seen, in the, well, what was it? A week and a half ago, it went from 95-degree days down to now we're 70-degree days, thank God, and 40-degree uh, <laughs> yeah. nights, and uh, the deer are moving. And it's starting to chase a good bit. I've seen some big deer being killed. So I think now, for about the next month, is probably prime time yep. around here. 
and the guy didn't leave his name, but it's uh, 864 texture. Uh, can I have a setup that works for hunting, 3D, indoor, and field? What would be a good setup? Uh, yeah. He wants to do it all on one boat. That would be, that would be a definite yes. Um, my suggestion would be to get like a 35 inch bow, 33 to a 35 inch bow. I'm just going to throw a bow name out there, but I'm not saying you got to get this bow. But the Prime CT5 is a good length, 35 inches, good speed, all that stuff. And if you were to put, say, a, if you really wanted to kind of meet in the middle, if you put, I'm just throwing, you don't have to do this exact setup because I know people, y'all don't, don't even get to see it. Maybe we should have a podcast just about people that, stuff we've, we've heard from people. Y'all hate XYZ boat company. Why are you, we don't, we don't, we really don't. There's no boat company we hate. People, we put our opinion out and then people will take it the wrong way. But anyway, um, a CT5 with a spot hog, maybe a Fast Eddie, Fast Eddie XL sight. You could shoot out in 100 yards or more. Um, and then you could shoot a regular old carbon arrow, anything you very well please. Um, and then it's according to like, if you're going to shoot a bow hunter setup, you could have a front bar and a side bar, but a short one. You know, like a 10 inch front, an 8 inch side. You could even just take the side off while you're hunting if you didn't have a fool with it. Or you could have a front and side bar like that and then have an extra 28 or 30 inch you put on when you shot tournaments and there's a hundred things you could do. But yeah, definitely. You can shoot all of the above. Some people, a lot of people have a bow and then they'll hunt with it and then they'll just make minor changes. You know what I mean? They'll swap the side out, leave the rest on it, maybe change arrows, you know, from January till August they'll shoot that way and then they'll gear up for deer season and go back to a regular size or micro carbon air and that type of thing. But yeah, 100% you can use the same bow and do everything. And there's also bow hunter classes and everything. So I mean, technically you can take an old bow with a 310 sight and hunting arrows and shoot it all. It's just according to how advanced you want to get into it. Well, plus, you know, they could, if they didn't want to go to spot hog route, you know, you could go... Oh, Lord, a thousand ways yeah. you could go excel <clears throat> and if you you know if you run two different sides air shaft let's say you run a a let's just say you got a rebuilt 65 pounds and you're running a black eagle challenger for a 3d and you're running a, a black eagle outlaw or a renegade or something like that you know, like on an Excel, you could actually put a tape on both sides. True. You know, put your, you know, your, like make your main tape on the inside of your side, your hunting tape, and then on the outside, on the other side, which where your yardage mark, yeah. you could run your fat air mark right there. It really never happened in true. As long as the chain, as long as both flew decent. Yeah. Because like that time we went to sand dune, <laughs> I um, shooting fat airs for 3D, and I didn't really want to set up a bunch of stuff, so I just got some smaller airs. Luckily, they bullet holed out of my bow too. And I put that sight tape on the other side and we shot field and I shot the little arrows with that sight tape and then literally just swapped out arrows and shot 3D and it worked out really good. Um, anything else they can ask? I think that's it besides the one that will. We'll, yeah, we'll wait till the end. But that, I mean, that's a good question. Oh, yeah. About, you know, because I, I was going to ask that at the end. Yeah. 
So whoever texts this in, give us another week, and we'll have you some answers on that one yeah. or some suggestions. I was talking to a guy earlier about the let off on Bose, and the reason we were talking about it is Bear just came, <clears throat> just came out with their new Echo Cam system that's 90% let off. It is really raining. Hopefully, y'all don't hear all this, but if you do, I am sorry. Um, but here, here I got the Bear book here. Just looking at it, the new book, the new cam system. You can set it on 75, 80, 85, or 90 percent let off. So that's pretty cool. But anyway, he was saying, why would anybody not want 90 percent let off? And I was just briefly talking about it. But so recently, really, Elite was the first one that everybody's like, wow, this is a lot of let off. I think. But for hunting, a lot of let-off is good, but you also got to watch your form. Me and TJ both got bows the other year, and they had the option of going to 90% let-off, and we played with it, and I noticed the more let-off I had, the sloppier my lefts and rights got because I could give up on my form a little bit. Um, but then you got the whole thing of, you might have to hold it back a while in the tree stand, so 90% off is probably good for that. But, uh, I just think the more let off, the better your form better be, you know, because the slightest little bit of torque or whatever in that area is, you know, going, you're going to have some variance in it. And at the same time, when I think back to how many times I've had to hold a bow for a long time for a deer, there's not that many, you know what I mean? Most of the time, the shot gets ready and draw back. There might be a little bit of time kind of getting ready for the right shot, but it's not like I'm holding it back for four minutes trying to do something, you know, it's just going to happen. But I do think 90% loss is nice for most hunters. Yeah. Um, and you have to be watch out. I mean, you have to also watch out. Check your local rules and regulations if you're listening to us outside of upstate. Yeah. I do know uh, there are some states that you can't shoot 90%. Yeah. It's got to be 80%, I believe. That's the same thing with broadheads. I've had people say, hey, we're going to out this outfitter out wherever. Like on an elk hunt or moose or whatever they went to and had mechanicals and they told them this ain't gonna happen you're gonna, you're gonna shoot the fixed blades and i was like hmm. yeah but mm-hmm. uh and same thing with lighted knots yeah. there are some states that they're outlawed in that's just crazy but anyway so i think 90 percent could be a good thing i just know when i go out there and shoot for groups at longer yardage somewhere around that 70 75 percent is where i shoot the best and keep my form good you know, with about a 65-pound bow. That's something else I was going to talk about is um, draw weight. You know, people, I don't know. I, there's not really a one set group of people. You still got a few people that want that 80-pound bow so they can be a hero. Yep. That's not that many people. Then you still got a lot of shooting 70, 72, whatever the bow max is out at, and that's fine. I'm more of about a 65, 64, or whatever pound man, and then on my tournament stuff, I'm shooting 60, 62, sometimes less. I just don't see the need for it, especially when you compare bows from 15, 20 years ago that killed deer that were shooting 160 feet per second, and now a 50-pound bow is faster than that. Yep, it's just on the good shot. Uh, placement and all that has a lot to do with it. But anyway, so there's no uh, people come in. Most people around here want a 70 pound bow because you can go, you know, 55 to 70 and they end up with it either on 70 or 
between 65 and 70 or something yeah. like that so yeah i was gonna say that 65 is starting to be about the yeah about where everybody's comfortable at <clears throat> you know I've, we've all, I've always bought a 70 pound bow but the next bow i get i don't never shoot none of the 65 so yeah. i mean what's the point of having 70 if i'm not going to shoot 70 pounds yeah, and that, I mean, that's always been my thing. Is The rule of thumb used to be, everybody was like, oh, you better get whatever so you can max it out. And the thought behind that was and is that limb cup, you know, pivots on the riser. So there's some slop in it to some degree. And everybody's like, you got that thing tightened all the way down where there can't be any slop. It keeps your pocket stout. And I still believe that to a certain degree, but also don't think I can shoot good enough to know when I got a bow backed out two turns. I, and limb pockets have came a long way. They, they, yeah, yeah they don't have as much craziness in them as they once did. People used to talk about shimming limb pockets and all that, but um, I don't really see that much anymore. <clears throat> Let's talk about, had a crossbow come in uh, yesterday, day before, and it has a fairly new string on it, but the center serving was broke, and I just got to looking and I asked, I said, are y'all using rail lube on this thing and they were like what's that and i was like oh lord on most crossbows where the string slides over the rail and directly and touches it you got to use rail lube which is about the same consistency as vaseline you put that light i usually take if i'm setting somebody up with a crossbow i'll take that rail lube put the slightest little uh, line of it and i'll take my finger and just push it down and smear it on each side of the rail and then probably what it goes for about eight shots, ten shots. When it dry, it gets to looking dry again, you put some more. But I started seeing a lot of people not using it, so I just thought I would throw that out there. If you if you have a crossbow that the string rides against the rail and it makes all that friction, you got to use that rail lube to preserve the serving and ultimately the string. Because luckily that that one came in, you know, the serving had just broke, and I fixed it, but couple more shots and it would have been into the strands of the string and that would have sucked. Had a couple bows come in this week. One came in in a sack and the fella let her rip. Um, I was going to talk about dry firing a bow for a minute. People, if you're watching, most people have either dry fired a bow or semi dry fired a bow. It's loud. It sounds like a 22 getting shot. Um, and that could be a hundred different ways that can happen. So one thing we try to get people to do if they come to the shop and they're going to draw their bow back and we can stop them in time, make sure there's an arrow in it and you're pointed, you know, in a safe direction at a target or something. But two, you know, when you, when you dry fire a bow, it's not bad as it used to be about the bows like flying apart yeah. and the limbs cracking and all that. It seems like it's more of a, 20-25% of the time now that that actually happens but I think there's made better and all that type of stuff but you dry fire a bow you know the string don't have any uh, weight to push so all the energy goes into those fiberglass limbs and possibly cracks them it's loud Ow! a lot of times the string breaks the loop of the string breaks and what I was trying to tell somebody this week was even if you their string had derailed, so it wasn't broke, but it came off and the cables are still holding the limbs. And I was like, if it was me, 
I would go ahead and restring that thing because those cables that took such a just bow, you know what I mean? They went from going to full draw or at full draw to catching all the way to those limbs. I was like, oh, if it was me to be safe, I'm not saying, you know, you can't put it back together and it shoot fine and it probably would, but I would restring it to be safe. Oh yeah. And then a guy, was it today? had dry fired a crossbow, brought it in and it broke the string, but uh, just be safe. I think the story behind one of the dry fires this week was somebody, that's how it usually goes, my buddy pulled it back with his fingers and when it hit that let off, he just let her rip or it scared him or whatever, and boom. Luckily, we've only, back in Bucks Bass days, we had several dry fires, but in here, there's only been one that I can remember in about five years. So that's pretty good odds. And we got all our signs up, you dry fire, you buy. But uh, I try to not let anybody draw back a bow on the wall without our safety release on, and it's got like a welded trigger, so you can't absolutely cannot dry fire. Yeah. You know, they always put an air of some sort in there. We yeah. keep a pretty heavy air just laying around, yeah. just that way it covers from no, one I, end. I'd, I'd rather somebody stick one in the wall. Oh, yeah, me too. And blow a bow up because then it's just a big mess. But be careful. Uh, another thing that came up this week I kind of jotted down to talk about was peep size and peep type and all that type of thing. Uh, we still get a lot of people come in with the rubber tubing peeps. And mostly they come on the package bows, the lower end package bows, where the, the strings are kind of junk. If you put a regular peep in there, it's gonna keep turning and that type of thing. See a lot of the rubber tubing peeps, and yeah, they do work, but you better watch that rubber tubing because it'll dry rod, it'll slide off the peep and pop you upside the head. And, uh, yeah, that ain't a fun feeling. No, I've had that happen before. And then you peep sideways. But my favorite peep is, in general, I shoot about a 3 16 peep for hunting. Once I get, for me, when I get bigger than the 3 16 peep, I have to pay a good bit of attention to is my pin truly in the center of that hole or am I just anchoring every time and it's maybe a little low, a little high. So I, but when I get smaller than 3 16 peep, it's like I'll shoot an eighth for target and that's fine, but I don't know if I don't want to shoot that small for hunting. But we get people come in wanting like a 5 16 peep. That is huge. And yeah, you can absolutely see through it but I don't think people put a whole lot of thought into, you know, putting that pin on the target. It's just as important to make sure that pin is dead center of that peep. So I don't know, everybody's got preferences. There's glow peeps now that are pretty neat. They glow in the dark. And then there's crosshair peeps. And there's that one that has a little, almost looks like a handgun front sight coming up that you're supposed to sit the, somebody brought one in and it's kind of weird. But uh, ain't you supposed to put it like, right on top of it, or right on, you know. Yeah. You know, they some they're they starting to get some of them. Yeah. Are getting a little, a little too far out there. I know there's one peep site that just had come out that is going to be a nightmare to install. I remember you showed me. Yeah. Um. You showed me. So I, I just don't know if we yeah. would attempt to sell one of those or not. Yeah. Um. It's a good concept, but it ain't, it's, it's a, a call, like a no-tie peep or something like that, but... It's not the one that's been out, because it looked, I actually played with them. The sawtooth is yeah, a tooth looks, of the air or it, something? Sawtooth, yeah, it looks pretty slick, and I put one in, or actually I put a couple in, but, and it's not that one, it's some new, some new device, but mm -hmm. you gotta like, the string crosses, and then crosses back uh, above it, and it's just, I don't know. 
Yeah, it's another thing <laughs> I was talking to somebody about was string wax and how often the wax is stirring. And I was telling them, first of all, you don't put wax on the serving, which is the stuff wrapped around the string, like where your uh, knot clips on and where it goes around the cams and all that. It's you know, you put that around the cam just if it'll gunk it up and make a big mess. But where the fibers are at, what I tell you know people is to rub it on there pretty good, and at least take your hand and rub up and down on it, and it'll heat it up and kind of get it into that string. Sometimes you can take a piece of string and wrap around it and kind of peel off that old nasty wax and put fresh on there and make everything look better. But probably it's according to how much you shoot. There's no exactly correct answer because. Some people are like, wax it every time you shoot. That's a bit much, you know what I mean? Um, I think about every 150, 250 shots, I mean, that's a good bit of shooting. Yeah, but and honestly, I just kind of, when I see mine not fraying up, but you can just tell it looks dry, you know what I mean? I don't know how to describe it. I'll just hit it with some wax and get it, get it looking good. String life was another thing I was talking to a guy about, and that I, you know, I was telling him, I was like, you know, like on my tournament bow, that I shoot a lot, I'm gonna change it out every year unless I have a problem like the peep cuts the string. I've had that happen before with, I remember, I forget what peep had just came out back in the early 2000s and I popped it in there and it cut the string and it was a mess, but I mean, it didn't blow up. It just cut like three strands, so I had to swap it out. But in general, on my stuff, I switch out my tournament strings every year and my hunting bow, I switch would switch them out every two years. Mm -hmm. But that's with a fair amount of shooting. I'm not saying a guy that pulls it out of the closet, you know, once and hunts with it, couldn't go a couple, three, maybe four years. I mean, they come in all the time. It's been on there for oh, man. a long time. And they look good, but you just got to wonder. They've been sitting there with pressure on them and they're dried out. You know, it's probably not a good thing. So I, I wouldn't go much more than that. I think the oldest string that I have documented that a guy had on one was an old Browning bow, wood limbs, and he said, this string's never been changed, and it, I mean, I didn't want to be around it. It was like it was about to blow, but he said it had been on there since, like, the late 70s or something, but he also said, literally, I pull it out, I may not even shoot it, go hunting with it, and I was like, you know, if you'd have shot a, a, at a deer with it, it'd have probably killed you and the deer, but <laughs> anyway. So that's the string wax. Um, Oh, we can go on. I remember last year a guy come in, and I, I remember right, he had the three-way beam. Mm -hmm. And I I would about bet there wasn't but three strands of that string holding on that peep site. And we told him, you know, dude, you need to replace this string mm -hmm. cable big time. I said, and then he's like, oh, it's still, I didn't shot it full five. He's like, I didn't shot it. He's like, it shoots good and everything. I'm like, dude, you don't realize this. This string is about to blow. And I said, it's going to be bad. And, and I can't remember what we had to do to it, but I kept telling him, I said, dude, we need to, you need a string. I said, it's not an issue of, it's an issue of safety right now. Yeah. I said, and so he's like, He's like, well, here, draw it back or something. I was like, dude, I said, I ain't drawing your bow back for nothing. I said, if it... I, occasionally, and that don't happen much, but I've had no. that before. And people look at me like I'm crazy, and I'm like, you know, I'll put it over here on the draw board, but if that thing blows up, I ain't going to be holding it. I've had a couple. I remember, I, I'll cut into your story real quick. I had a guy come into Bucks Bass, had a Matthews SQ2, 
And dummy me, I didn't even look over the, the string situation. He just handed it to me and said, man, there's a creaking coming out of this thing. And I pulled that thing back and no joke, right as it was letting off where you're holding the most weight, the, the cable loop broke, pow. And I punched myself in the mouth and I all I did was I wiped my my mouth or whatever and my hand was covered in blood. I couldn't feel my teeth. My nose was bleeding. I mean, it was bad. So <clears throat> I was like shaking and stunned, like what just happened? And I remember the guy reached over the counter and kind of hit me on the shoulder. He's like, buddy, you all right? And the string on my left arm, had one of them had half wrapped around my arm and had tore into my arm. The limb had hit me in the leg. I mean, it was just a complete explosion. So I run back to the bathroom and pull up my gums and my teeth are bleeding and I'm worried I didn't knock out my teeth and then because uh, they're hurting, numb. My nose is bleeding. My arm is literally just like black and blue and there's a big gash in it, you know, and I was like, oh my God. So I cleaned myself up or whatever and went back up there and I was like, what in the world did you just hand me? And he's like, well, I ain't changed the strings in a long time, but it's been creaking. And it was my fault. I should have looked over the, you know what I mean? But he just handed it to me and said, listen to this. And I snatched it back and boom. But uh, anyway, that was something I'll never forget. That was the worst explosion I've ever been in the middle of. And it was no fun and it hurt. And I'm talking my gums and arm and all was messed up for a couple, two weeks after that or more. That's, and that's why today, after that incident, mm -hmm. we, uh, if anybody comes in with a crack or a creek, the first right. thing we do is look at string cables and limbs before we even. Well, and that's the beauty of having the drawboard. <clears throat> we got it where we can back up from it a little bit. Yeah. Let it blow, but we ain't going to be holding it, you know. Um, I, there's so many stories about people coming in with sketchy stuff and saying, oh, oh I just need to get one shot out of it. I'm like, no, oh, you need more than that. You ain't know it's going to hit the deer. But anyway, I about forgot about that. I had a guy bring in a bow in a bilo bag this week and I can't, I didn't take it in, Jackie did, but I can't remember. I think it's the one where the buddy had done dry fired it or pulled it back and derailed it and blew it up, but literally the limb and the cams and the riser are all apart. And I was like, my Lord. So there's a guy walk, opens the door and walks in and he's got a bilo, a sack full of <laughs> parts, limb, limbs and risers and all that you know a good story is about to happen but if i recall that's the only one we've had this year i think so which is highly unusual yep Knock on wood. we get plenty of the whole um derailed boat yeah you know, they pull it back and torqued it or the buddy pulled it back and torqued it on the way down and the string jumped off and that's still a big it scares the crap out of you yeah because it's just a sudden Boom, you know, but it's not like a dry fire where it's like a 22 going off. But, um, and usually people don't get hurt on a derailed deal. But, um, anyway, good times at the shack. Oh, yeah. The rain is picking up. I hope it hadn't been too bad, but you may hear some static or rain or something in the background. So I guess we will get ready to close this thing up. Um, what was we going to tell them at the end to leave them with? Um, as to, he didn't leave his name or anything, but they used cover scents or deer lures or deer urine. And I had it wrote down. Y'all use deer lures, attractants like doe and estrus or, um, the only thing coming to my mind is 1069, but, uh, 
buck in rut, I think is one of them, or buck bombs or whatever. Um, do y'all use that during the rut? And I've used it before, but I, I can't tell you if I've had any luck with it or not, but just throwing it out there, that guy, you know, like I said, he texts in, do we use it? Yeah, I'd be curious to know what people say um, as well. We'll talk about that a little bit next week. I think we got a guest coming on the next few weeks, so that'll be cool. And uh, get his input on it. Yeah, yeah. We'll go from there, but yep. we appreciate y'all listening. Uh, sorry about the possible rain. I'll know after I listen to it what it sounds like, but bear with us if you hear all that mess. But um, we'll talk to y'all next week yep. and have some guests on and Y'all keep on texting and commenting and let us know what what we can talk about. See y'all later. See y'all next time.